Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit repeater. everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters an unofficial lizzie mcguire recap podcast i'm your host marissa Cantor, and back with me as always on a very special day is sam chung a very special day you mean two days after my birthday <laughs> well we're recording this on your birthday we're recording it on my birthday that's true now i know why it is a very special day it's because today your book is available for purchase. It is. I was legitimately talking about your birthday just then, but yes, I do have a book out today. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, yes, my <laughs> birthday is obviously the most important thing here. I turned <laughs> 25 quarter century, so I don't know what Five for Fighting has to say about that, but something, milestone, yes. Yes, um, it's officially time for a quarter life crisis. I mean, we're living our quarter life crisis in quarantine. That's true. I am close to buying a car. So we can drive away from our one-bedroom apartment. No, just so I can cruise the empty streets of New York. (laughs) No. Yeah. But yes, I do have a book out today. It's very exciting. In the midst of all of this, did not anticipate to be debuting in the middle of a pandemic, but I think I've been trying to make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, As have we all. As have we all. It's called What I Like About You. It's a rom-com that publishes with Simon and Schuster. And it asks the question, is it still a love triangle if there are only two people in it? And if that alone intrigues you, you can find out more on my website, just marissacantor.com. Buy links, more details about the book, all that good stuff. It is good stuff. Please support me. (laughs) But this podcast is not about my book. It's about Lizzie McGuire. And today we are going to recap episode 109, Election. In this episode, I mean, pretty pretty straightforward by the title, Lizzie runs for class president. And this episode aired on April 20th, 2001. Wow. So long ago. Now, this episode really um, speaks to me as, I mean, you know, Student government was kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't my thing in middle school. We didn't really, we didn't really do this. Yeah, we didn't do this in middle school either. Um, but we did do a fake election between Barack Obama and John McCain. Interesting. I think we did that too. Do you remember who won? I think it was Obama. But yeah, uh, student government was my thing in high school. It wasn't as big of a deal as it appears to be in this show. Most of the time, I think there was only one time someone else ran against me every other time I ran unopposed. (laughs) Yeah, we were really involved school, (laughs) student body, clearly. (laughs) Yeah, um, and I was vice president of my class for three years, and then I was vice president of the executive board my senior year. Wow, Look look at that. 
You're so involved, such an involved individual. I really was. I planned so many pep rallies, decorated so many hallways. Like, I don't know why we did that in retrospect. Yeah, me either. I didn't participate. (laughs) Yeah, every every year um, before pep rally, each grade got a specific hallway to decorate. And every year there was a specific theme and it was a competition between the different grades. And we got really into it, but it was like, like we would stay at school until like nine, 10 o'clock at night decorating these hallways for it to all get torn down the next day. Yeah, that's too much effort for like no reward. Yeah. Because there was ultimately no reward. There was no reward. It was like bragging rights. (laughs) (laughs) Bragging rights to whom? Who who are you going to brag to? Each other. Like the other classes. Like if, if the juniors won, they could be like, ha ha. To all the other classes. Uh, we had a better decorated hallway. Mm-hmm. You should feel burned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, in this episode, Lizzie is running for class president. I guess school president, right? Yeah, a little bit unclear. Um, it also It's also weird, right, that the former president is uninterested in running again. Well, that's why I think that it's a school president thing. Because if it's a, like, she's an eighth grader. It was also a little bit confusing to me that because uh, when Lizzie's talking about her career goals, one of her goals is, like, first female president. Yet when Gordo <laughs> brings up the thought that maybe she should be president of her class, she's like, me? What? Oh, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> little me? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the structure of how this is going is unclear because again why does the outgoing president not want to be president anymore why are we only focused on president there has to be you know more positions open but this whole episode is just focused on one this is actually for the position of khaleesi (laughs) (laughs) you would think so by the way this episode goes you're only electing one official (laughs) yeah a dictator a dictator (laughs) Um, So the episode opens with Lizzie and her friends noticing that Kate and her friend Claire are being nice to everybody in the cafeteria. Now, Sam, have we seen Claire before this episode? We've not seen Claire. This is the first time I believe that I've seen Claire. But, you know, she just fits right in with Kate's crowd. Yeah. And Lizzie notes that they're even talking to the Dorchestra, which is a phrase that comes up multiple times this episode. Yeah, but somehow Lizzie, Gordo, and Miranda are not part of the Dorchestra. Right. They're normals. Are they, though? They feel like prime Dorchestra material. Yes, but they're. I guess they're not musically gifted enough to be in the Dorchestra. Oh, is the Dorchestra only music people? That was my assumption. Didn't Lizzie say that she was more of a... Of a band geek type. Correct. So she should technically be in the orchestra. Right, but that's why I'm saying that the orchestra is specifically like the band. But she's a band geek. But she doesn't play any instruments. Yeah, but if you're an honorary band geek, you belong in the orchestra. Okay. Well, Lizzie is quite, um, she has quite a reaction to Kate and Claire. She kind of goes off about how the popular kids win everything. They've been winning everything since kindergarten and... Everyone else is just doomed. Yeah. um, She and Miranda are super annoyed. And at that point, we learn that she does have one uh, opposing candidate, and it is our good friend Larry Tudgman. Correct. And I don't know if we clarified yet, but Claire is the one running for class president. 
As opposed to Kate? As opposed to Kate, which is an interesting choice. Is it an interesting choice? Yeah, I mean, Kate is very, as a very um, power-hungry gal, but I guess being head of the cheerleaders is is enough of a responsibility. Uh, I guess so, yeah. But yeah, so we have Claire, we have Larry Tudgman, who is eating worms for votes. That's his strategy. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Why not? I mean, if, if, if that's your thing. He's into protein. <laughs> really leans into it. And Gordo is not satisfied with either of these options. So he's like, you know, we need a normal person to be president, the voice of the people. And we're normals, so one of us should do it. And he suggests that Lizzie should be the one. She's so totally normal. And Lizzie, Gordo believes, could really be that voice of the people. Yeah, here's Gordo trying to be like uh, straight up Varys. Um, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, be the the person behind the curtain, really running the running things behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, he definitely takes on the role of campaign manager real quick. Or is he more of a little finger? He might be more of a little finger, actually. I can just imagine Gordo going, let's throw in a, a third candidate. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I support that. And at first, as you already said, Lizzie's like, who, me? What? But then cartoon Lizzie puts her head on Mount Rushmore real quick. Yeah, and one thing, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. So animated Lizzie is like a huge presence throughout this episode. And that, uh, like everything that animated Lizzie says directly opposes her mm-hmm. actions, but it shows a certain degree of self-awareness. So it's really confusing. Like throughout the episode, she becomes more and more of a monster, which shows that she has awareness about what she's doing. But at the same time, real life Lizzie continues to do those things while she has that self-awareness. So it really just shows that Lizzie's kind of a terrible person. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I wrote that down too about how it's just like everything that she says in her head is diametrically opposed to her actions. Like if you're aware of what you're doing and you know that it's bad. Stop. Then stop what you're doing. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. You're right. But yeah, Lizzie is just not doing too great in this episode and usually animated lizzie is like the voice like we've seen her before being more of like a voice of reason which she is here but usually it's in the context of lizzie being like too anxious to speak up or it being a confidence thing or just not quite knowing what to say but in this case it's lizzie being kind of a jerk yeah (laughs) and just like kicking her friends to the curb yeah but we'll, we'll get into that more yeah. So, yeah, the conclusion of this opening scene is Lizzie will run for class president. There is the presidential music sounding in the background, and then we cut to theme song. So after the theme song, we are in Lizzie's house in the middle of the conversation where Lizzie tells her parents about this class presidency run, and her parents are really into it. Sam is like our daughter, the voice of the people, and tells Lizzie that he was president of the AV club. And I personally expected nothing less from Sam McGuire. Yeah, they pulled out some old photos as well. Yeah. Yeah. Checks out. Mm -hmm. And then Joe says, I knew you were destined for greatness from the moment you were born. I have a gift. Just like I knew that Richard guy on Survivor was going to win. Yeah, this is like the third Survivor reference in like, Nine episodes. Nine it's like every episodes. three episodes, we get a nice little Survivor reference thrown in there. But only season one Survivor. 
because that's all that's aired. That's all that existed. <laughs> that's all that existed so far. Yeah, and I think that it really speaks to, not to go down another survivor hole, but just how much of a cultural phenomenon it was. And like 20 years later, we're still watching it now, but it really was something that everyone was talking about in 2001. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit before. I don't think we really need to dive get like dive into that rabbit hole again. But No, I wasn't planning on it, but I just okay. wanted to note that as you said, literally one third of the episodes we have watched so far have mentioned Survivor. Yeah. And that's that that means something. This is before they knew that he would then evade taxes and go to prison. So <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so that reference is not really aged great. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Hatch has a complicated future ahead of him (laughs) (laughs) yes he does (laughs) and even cartoon lizzie is like okay mom like that's a little out there and then we cut to matt and this is the first matt appearance in the episode and matt has an imaginary friend named jasper who he comes down for breakfast and he pours a bowl of cereal for himself and jasper and sits at the table and just totally plays up this act like Jasper is sitting right next to him. He's real. He can hear you. Just really leans into the imaginary friend thing. Yeah, and he's like clearly too old to believe in an imaginary friend. Yeah, which his parents immediately note and yeah, are kind of concerned about. Something is immediately suspicious. Correct. So then we cut to Lizzie's bedroom and the lovely three-wake phone calls. And Lizzie's like, I can't believe I'm running for class president against Claire. Yeah, she needs to have more confidence in herself. Yeah, that's a running theme. And then Gordo gets a little weird here. Yeah, Gordo um, Gordo's a little thirsty this episode. Like all over the place in his thirst, too. Yeah, it's not a directed thirst. It's a general thirst. How to be a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, he, he's on the phone talking about all of the great characteristics that Claire has that make her appealing. Yeah, yeah that Lizzie may not have her talent or charm. She does have a great smile, referring to Claire. Yeah, but uh, Miranda's not buying this. Miranda's like, stop that right now. Yeah, Miranda is Miranda is the voice of reason of this episode. <laughs> it's a good episode for Miranda. Yeah, she says that uh, Claire's the only girl who reaccessorizes between classes, and then it, it cuts to Claire's locker, and it turns out that she has a jewelry store in her locker. Yes, Claire has a Claire's in her locker. How apropos. How apropos. Throwback. Throwback to Claire's. Yeah, and then we're back at school, and we are seeing everyone's campaign posters. Gordo likes Lizzie's posters because they are broad and nonspecific, and I put in parentheses, like her. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good note. That's a, <laughs> like that's a great note. I agree with that. Um. Claire's are pom-poms and footballs, which is original, but alienating. Is it original? It is alienating for sure, but is it original? No, she's a cheerleader. Like, it's pretty predictable. It's pretty predictable. And Larry has already eaten five worms. Hey, that's five votes. Five votes for Larry. And Gorda says to think of him as the Marilyn Manson to your Britney Spears. And in that moment, the same clip from Picture Day with Lizzie and the oops, I did it again look plays. Yeah, like what? what is this? Why are they recycling clips? Recycled clips. And then at 
their lockers, Claire and Kate approach Lizzie. And we're going to play the clip. Lizzie McGuire, my little opponent. Hi, Claire. Kate. Loser. I just wanted to let you know how cute I think it is that you think you actually have a chance against me. Cute in a loser kind of way. Lizzie McGuire is the voice of the people, and there are more of us than there are of you, which makes hers the voice of the winner. That's what Lizzie always says. I do? You will. It's all in the speech I've written for you. She's giving you the hand. Bottom line, I'm popular and you're not, so I win. Don't you remember our phone conversation this morning? You're powerful, you're normal. Let me tell you something, Miss Claire Witch Project. Ooh, good one. I may not be cheerleader captain, and I may not be yearbook editor, and I may not sit in the cool part of the cafeteria, but people want to see change. And no, 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 I'm not talking about your wardrobe. Yeah. So laugh all you want to now, because by the end of this thing, you'll be crying. Oh, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Lizzie's white, so she's the voice of the people. Oh. <laughs> oh. That was a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, did you like that twist? <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan just walked in here, mic dropped, and then walked back out. It's- Look at Lizzie stepping on the one minority candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Not a great look. Not a great look. This could have been such a progressive moment. Uh, not only a black candidate, a black female candidate. Yes. And here's Lizzie saying, no, stick to the status quo. Boom, mic drop. M. Night Shyamalan just walked in and out real quick once again. It's true, but the optics are really interesting, right? Because we're supposed to be on Lizzie's side because Claire is this popular cheerleader. But again, going back to, like, this would play very differently if it was Kate versus Lizzie. Like, it just feels, you know what I mean? Like, it was a choice to make a woman of color be running against Lizzie, but then to like typecast her as the mean popular girl. Yeah. Just something to think about. It is something to think about. In 2001. Yeah. Could have been such a moment. It could have been. But yeah, I think that there is a lot to unpack in that moment. You kind of did mic drop me by... (laughs) I caught you off guard. You did catch me. It wasn't me. It was M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) As I said, he walked in and out real quick. Got you. I do appreciate moments where Lizzie is standing up for herself because she does have some confidence issues. I think that Gordo is really drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, he thinks that he he thinks that he's, you know, the person running the show. Yeah. And I think it's rude that Claire gave Lizzie the hand. Like imagine talking to someone and they just like held up their hand in your face. It's effective though. It's like, hey. Stop that. Stop talking. And I also loved uh, Miranda trying really hard to be supportive here, but then just like, yeah. Just yeah. Get shot down. And Claire Witch Project is a good burn. Yeah. Um, but this turned out to kind of work out for Lizzie because she had a little bit of an audience while all this was happening. And a rando named Veruca says that she now has the votes of the mathletes. That's nine votes. Nine votes for Lizzie. Who's Veruca. The only person I've ever known named Veruca is the Willy Wonka character. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is anybody unironically named Veruca? No offense to any listeners named Veruca, but like, (laughs) that's literally the only context that I've ever heard. Well, that girl 
is unironically named Veruca. <laughs> okay. So honestly, shame on you. <laughs> shame on me. I will own that. Feel free to at me <laughs> if your name is Veruca and you find this <laughs> magically <laughs> of our like 50 listeners. So after this confrontation, we cut to, I guess you could call it a montage of campaigning. Lizzie is standing on a table in the outdoor eating space cafeteria situation. They always get to eat lunch outside. It's really nice. Yeah, that's just, you know, another reason why we should move to California. Son. <laughs> Lizzie is campaigning and declaring that frog dissections should be optional, which, yeah, they should be. Mm-hmm. Did you ever dissect a frog? Uh, I took notes. Yeah. Yeah, we had to do it in like groups of four. So two people would dissect the frog and two people would kind of map it out. So I was more the map it out person because I'm not looking to dissect a frog. Okay, but you were in the room when it happened. Like you didn't refuse to participate. No, I don't think that wasn't, I don't think that was a choice. I think that it was for us. Faye Den gave us the choice. Oh, she didn't give us the choice. Shout out to Faye Den. <laughs> I definitely participated in the frog dissecting. Yeah. And Lizzie, you know, does a twist on the classic quote, JFK, ask not what your student government can do for you, ask what you can do for your student government. Yeah. And it kind of becomes a full rally situation. Except that doesn't even really make any sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's so out of place. Like, she should be telling them why they should vote for her. Instead, she's outsourcing her own solutions to them. Like, hey, this is what you can do for me that I can then give back to you. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, makes no sense. And throughout this, you know, Gordo is kind of guiding her along the way. And his whole, his whole strategy is be a normal. Blend in, camouflage yourself to be whoever you're talking to to get the support of the various groups and personalities at the school. So Lizzie first sees someone being bullied and tries to talk to them, but it doesn't really work out. Yeah, the scene made no sense. The scene made I no sense. I almost didn't want to talk about it because it's like... Like, she doesn't even have a solution. She just no. lets... She watches the kid get bullied <laughs> and then is like, let's have a talk. Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> that didn't make any sense. No. And then it cuts to the jocks all really behind Larry eating worms and just kind of chanting his name. As he eats worms. And then we get this weird, like, cut of Lizzie relating to all the different clubs. Yeah. Um, she says, bonjour. Then there's, like, a mix of, like, a Star Wars and Star Trek club, which seems to be a little bit, like, pick a lane, you know? <laughs> and then she's, like, hola. And then she's, like, shalom. And, like, the hand gesture she's doing when she says each each word just like makes no sense no it makes no sense at all and then we are introduced to the drama club this becomes important because the drama club is second tier popular i guess at lizzie's school it's cheerleaders drama club yeah but they're also like they're not 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 only are they the drama club they're also like extras from the vogue music video yeah. <laughs> or they're like, they're like, they've all dressed up as Keanu Reeves from The Matrix. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting that the drama kids have so much like rank at Lizzie's school because as former drama kids, we were not second tier popular. No one really no one really cared about drama. No, not really. So Gordo's proud of himself. Lizzie is effectively turned into a chameleon. And this is really kind of the last group that she has, it seems, to infiltrate is this drama club group. But uh, Miranda's like, but you have a prior engagement with one of the foreign language clubs um, or the foreign exchange clubs. Lizzie says something really stereotypical about like mystery meat, which doesn't really play well. Yeah, um, because so the foreign exchange kids were each making her a dish from their home country, which is really like lovely and which is like directly what she asked for when she said, what can you do for your student government? <laughs> They are literally making they're, food they're for her. They're cooking for her. They're subsidizing her existence, and she is pushing them aside to go hang out with the drama kids. And she tells Miranda to tell the foreign exchange kids that she's catching up on homework. And Miranda is like, that's a lie. You are backing down on your promise. This isn't okay. This is such a bad look. And then Lizzie's like, it's politics. It's not politics. It's you being kind of a jerk. Yeah. And then we get Gordo Thirst Part 2. Yeah. So Lizzie puts on the sunglasses. Gordo puts on, like, a leather jacket, which came out of nowhere. Um, And then goes over to talk to the drama kids. And then... (laughs) Miranda says, what has gotten into her? And then Gordo says, I don't know, but whatever it is, is making me all tingly inside. Stop. Gordo. That that was a combination of words that I never needed to hear. (laughs) Out of Gordo. I wrote Gordo, you dog. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, no. 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 After all of that, we have to get back to the Matt and Jasper of it all. Do we have to? We do. Okay. So Matt is playing baseball with a pitching machine that his parents bought for him. And parents are like, it's working. He's not mentioning his invisible friend. But then he stops playing. And <laughs> I think that like, I think Jake Thomas has some good deliveries in this episode for such a ridiculous subplot. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that his performance in this episode is great. Yeah, I guess we can give him that. That's true. Because uh, he's like, it's just... On Jasper's planet, baseball is evil. And then <laughs> the parents are like, well, Matt, I mean, maybe it's time to just, like, cut Jasper. Go your separate ways. Yeah, except Jasper's right there. Yeah, you can hear them. Yeah, you're hurting his feelings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. This whole B story, it's definitely up there as far as, like, ridiculous B stories that we've seen yeah. nine episodes in go. yeah. Jasper's parents are snowmen. Apparently, Matt can't go play with his human friends because they are all playing video games. Mm. And at this moment, I knew exactly where this was going. Yeah. Because Matt is clearly playing a long con to get a video game console. Correct. It's so it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And the parents are still, you know, buying it. And it's working up to this point. They're bad parents. <laughs> <laughs> they're like there's no way to sugarcoat it like they're they're bad parents they are gullible parents naive <laughs> parents and jasper flies away 
As he should. He's clearly not wanted there. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Then we cut back to Lizzie and Gordo and Miranda at the Digital Bean, a, I guess you could say cafe. Yeah, I wrote a weird cafe. <laughs> I guess that checks out. And Lizzie is going full diva. All the power is getting to her head. Gordo brings her uh, an apple juice and she's like from concentrate and refuses to drink it. Yeah, she wanted fresh squeezed apple juice. And then isn't Miranda like, <laughs> you can't squeeze an apple? Yeah, so, yeah, she says something like that. But So Lizzie looks over at the drama club, sees that some people over there are drinking coffee and decides that she also wants coffee, but she's not going to fully commit. She wants three creams. Yeah. <laughs> three three creams is like me drinking coffee. It's yeah, not really coffee. It's like I want co- I want to look like I'm drinking coffee, but I actually can't handle it. Gordo likes this. He's like, ooh, coffee. How sophisticated. How sophisticated. Yeah. And yeah, Lizzie's like the drama club drinks coffee, so I drink coffee. Yeah. She tells Miranda to keep up at one point. Yeah, she goes. So she goes and makes Gordo get the coffee for her because she can't be seen standing in line. What? What? And animated Lizzie is even saying, like, what am I doing? And she's still like, nope, I can't be seen standing in line. I'm not one of these plebeians. And Miranda says to Gordo, way to go, Dr. Frankenstein. You've created a monster. Yeah, Um, especially when she's like, I said three creams, and this tastes like two. Like, this is literally the first time you've had coffee in your Your entire life. (laughs) And then it gets to cartoon Lizzie being like, I'm alive, as, like, Cartoon Lizzie at this point has fully gone Frankenstein. Yep. And then at the end, she looks over at the drama girl and they make eye contact and she's like, call me. Yeah, like what? (laughs) And talk about what? You guys have nothing in common. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, so clearly the power, the the coolness, the, the mystique is really getting to Lizzie's head at this point. The issue here is the amount of power that one ultimately has as a middle school class president is essentially zero. So there's nothing that Lizzie or Claire or Larry, any of them could do for their student body that would make them an appealing candidate. So Larry actually has the best strategy here, which is just get as much press. There's no such thing as bad press. All press is good press. Yeah, You are right. There are actually no real steaks. (laughs) There's no steaks at all. (laughs) So, yeah, you just got to eat some worms. I guess it's just bragging rights, which is an imaginary barometer. That's literally what student (laughs) government is. (laughs) Yeah, no. That's not going to fly here. It's a no-fly zone in here. I mean, at least in high school, it is the whole sort of leadership angle, right? Like, there is... there is something to be said for being able to put it on your college application, or so I thought when I was in high school. But I got into NYU, so you know what? New scene, we're back at school next day, and there was apparently a debate. Now, I really wish that we got to see this debate, but unfortunately, it is told to us in flashback. Yeah, flashbacks equals lazy storytelling. Lazy. So, long story short, because this is all the information we know. Claire did a cheer. She knocked over Larry's worms. And Lizzie didn't even have to say anything. She just had to stand there. And out of the three of them, she looked the most normal. She also had no mem- uh, like no remembering factor. That's not the correct words. But like Nothing memorable. Nothing memorable. 
she did nothing memorable in this moment. Like, who's going to remember the key moments of the debate? Like, what were the key moments? It was Larry's worms once again. Larry positioning himself to win. Lizzie being a wallflower. Like, this may look good to Gordo, but just being normal is not going to cut it in a middle school election. Yeah. And then, again, the monster talk comes up between Miranda and Gordo. And Gordo says, Lizzie's not a monster. She's a politician. And I put in parentheses, same thing. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> that's, I mean, 2020, that's where we're at. Oh, my goodness. Do I have a sound effect for that? Oh, I do. <laughs> I mean, where's the lie? I can't find one. Can you? Uh, no. No. So, yeah, Miranda really turns to Gordo and blames him for turning Lizzie into this monster, which is fair, I would say. This was all Gordo's idea. Yep. And Gordo's like, okay, I'll talk to Lizzie. Yeah. So he talks to her. She has a bunch of engagements with the various clubs, but again, she just wants to hang out with the drama club. It sounds like Lizzie wants to be part of the drama club. But only because they're second tier popular. You don't think she actually wants to act? Lizzie wants to be part of the drama club because she sees them as second-tier popular and she thinks that by being seen with them, more people will like her and therefore vote for her. That's her logic. You say Lizzie wanted to be part of the drama club? So much drama. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's what we've been saying this whole episode. So much drama. So much drama, but not not to act, just to be seen with them. Because, and you know, Lizzie should really know better, right? Because she looks at the populars and is like, oh, they get whatever they want. And because she's really a member of the Dorkestra. Right. But then, so why does she think that the Dorkestra, if you will, would vote for her if she be like, the logic just makes no sense. It does not. No. The logic is flawed. It is. And then after this conversation with Lizzie, Gordo is like, okay. You're right. I created a monster. Mm -hmm. And then back at Lizzie's house, we get the pinnacle moment in the Matt story. Yep. Uh, Matt's on the phone with Jasper, quote unquote. He's on the moon. Who is on the moon. And Joe says, okay. And then she goes downstairs where some, for some reason, the phone downstairs is also off the hook. Yeah. And so she eavesdrops like the bad parent. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's pretty standard parent in the early 2000s. Your parents would eavesdrop on your phone conversations? I mean, I had a phone phobia, so I was not having phone conversations. (laughs) Even with your own friends? Nobody really talked on the phone when I was a kid, I feel like. Like, my friends and I didn't talk on the phone. By the time we were old enough to want to be communicating with each other outside of, like, you know, the parents making the plans and, like, scheduling playdates, like, when we were Matt's age, AIM was already a thing. Mm-hmm. So everything was just there. No need for the phone. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, it's all been a long con as we, you know, as we've been saying. Matt just really wants the video game. Which she's now not going to get. He's now, yeah, he was so close. He was so close. Almost there, but alas. Did I mention I added one sound to the soundboard? Thanks a lot, you muggle. (laughs) (laughs) The best clip. Play it again. Thanks a lot, you muggle. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So yes, that is 
We'll get one more Matt moment, but that pretty much wraps up the B story. Yep. So now we're back to Lizzie, and it is election day. There's a montage. We have a lot of montages in this episode of the voting. Yeah, pretty good turnout. Pretty good turnout, yeah. The kids really came through. They did. But are they, like, voting in a bathroom? I thought they were voting in the gym. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay, never mind. (laughs) And then we cut to everybody is waiting for the results in this sort of, like, auditorium situation. Lizzie's not sitting with her friend. She's sitting with the drama club. And then we get the outgoing class president on stage to deliver the results. And it's baby Sarah Paxton, which made me happy to see. Yeah. What, who knew that she would make an appearance here? You say that like you knew who she was. I, I still don't really know who she is. Should I know who she is? She was in Aquamarine. Yeah, that means nothing to me. Oh, we'll be watching Aquamarine. It's, <laughs> it, oh, it's so good. It's like a friendship story with, it's Sarah Paxton, JoJo, and Emma Roberts. Who's JoJo? Who's JoJo? Singer-songwriter JoJo? Who are you talking about right now? (laughs) She just goes by JoJo. Like JoJo Siwa? No! (laughs) (laughs) I don't think JoJo Siwa's even born yet. No, not, no, the JoJo of my generation. I have no idea who you're talking about. JoJo, Joanna, Noel. All of these people going by one name, like your children, you've done nothing to deserve this one name status. You don't know, there's a song. (laughs) You don't know the song Too Little Too Late? Oh, I do know that song, actually. That's by JoJo? Yes. Oh, well, look at that. Yes. You know JoJo. It was a great movie. But anyways, baby Sarah Paxton is the outgoing class president. Is her name Holly in this episode? Am I making that up? I don't think it really matters. I don't know. But again, unclear why she didn't run for re-election. Yeah, it's super random, right? Because if she was like an outgoing, like, ninth grader, why is she Why? abdicating her position middle of the term? I don't know. It just makes no sense. Yeah, because this is presumably like the beginning-ish of the school year. Yeah, it makes it makes very little sense. Little about the, the show does. Of this, yeah. Dare I say, plot hole? A plot hole? Are you for real? You think this is a plot hole? I think it's a plot hole. <laughs> But anyways, Sarah Paxson is really, really, really excited to announce the results. And she opens the card and this look of horror is on her face because Larry Tudgman won the election. Good job, Larry. The worm strategy really paid off. Yeah, I mean, he was the only one who did anything memorable throughout his campaign. True. You kind of forgot that Claire was even there. Lizzie was just kind of devolving into a monster jerk to her friends. But Larry stayed true to himself the whole time. Then Larry gets up on stage and says Jar Jar Binks rules. Larry, no. (laughs) No. Bad Larry. We do not think that Jar Jar Binks rules. Oh, my goodness. Let Larry have this moment. No. that's That's a terrible take. And then Lizzie's like, well, I just lost the election. Now I just hope I don't lose my friends. And it's like, girl, this whole episode, you know that you've not been treating your friends right. Yeah, your priorities are so out of whack. And then now that you lost, you it's just hitting you. Yeah. And we know it's not just hitting you because the voice inside your head has been 
guiding you the whole time. Yeah. You just have been ignoring her. Yeah. So then we're back at the Digital Bean, and Lizzie's sitting there alone, and Gordo and Miranda approach her, and we're going to play the clip. Hey. Hey. You guys are talking to me? You don't deserve it, but... but someone has to. Yes, I had that one coming. I haven't exactly treated either one of you like friends lately, and I don't blame you guys for not voting for me. But I did. Really? Me too. But I was a total monster. I mean, I can't believe you guys voted for me after how terrible I was to everyone. You're my friend, plain and simple. Ditto. Thanks, you guys. That really means a lot to me. So what happened to your new buds in drama club? I decided black isn't my color. <laughs> I guess in a way we kind of won. I mean, Touchman may eat worms, but at least he's not a cheerleader. Well, that's what started this whole thing, remember? I mean, we wanted to stop the popular kids from winning everything. So you guys don't totally hate me? No, not totally. <laughs> Maybe if you got me a cup of fresh squeezed coffee. Ugh, coffee is like totally gross. What was I thinking? About your image, remember? Well, if that ever happens again, I want you guys to promise me you'll stuff me in my locker and won't let me out until I come to my senses. Works for me. Will do. Guys! Uh, we'd never stuff you in your locker. It's too small. But maybe a clothes hamper would work. Or the janitor's closet. Oh, dumpster! <laughs> I miss you guys. I think that Lizzie's friends are way too easy on her. Yeah, they have no spine, no backbone. And I can appreciate that Lizzie, you know, owned up to being the monster that she became. But at, wait, can I just say, look at them trying to like take credit for Larry's win. Like they did something to contribute. Like Larry <laughs> did, Larry had a strategy that he implemented <laughs> all by himself. You had nothing to do with it. Don't take credit for this. This was not you. You're right. Not great. <laughs> Not great. And they should stuff Lizzie in a locker if she ever acts like that again. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then we cut off the clip before this happens, but Cartoon Lizzie goes on to say in the immortal words of Kermit the Frog, it was not easy being green. Which, that's not what Kermit means, Lizzie. Yeah. (laughs) It's not. No. It's not easy being this monster that I am. Yeah. (laughs) And then we cut to a final scene in Lizzie's backyard where Matt's punishment for the whole Jasper situation is his parents are making him wash an imaginary donkey, they say. Yeah, um, which does the punishment fit the crime? Not really. You mean in what way? Well, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's just like this is a stupid punishment. Yeah, like... Do you mean he should have been more punished? Totally. Yeah, this is just like embarrass Matt in front of his own family and Lizzie's friends. Like, could have been better. And then Matt still wins because he starts a water fight. Yep. And that's uh, how which the- then turns into like a family soapy water fight. Like, this is not going to end well. Someone's going to get soap in their eyes. Yeah, it looked like they already <laughs> did. Yeah, this is not... This, yeah, I see where this is going. This is like two seconds away from someone to be like, oh, I can't see, there's soap in my eye. Yeah, and then... Someone the, needs to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Then the episode ends. And that is episode 109, election. On that, to... That was it. <laughs> that was it. 
onto some outfit conversations? Sure. Uh, I've got a couple that I've pulled up. One is Lizzie McGuire from early in the episode uh, where she's confronting Claire and she's done an interesting thing with her hair that I would like for you to speak on. Yeah. Well, first I want to say her t-shirt is really cute. I would wear that shirt. It looks like one of my many patterned loft t-shirts. It's just a red shirt with a cool flower pattern on it. But her hair, her hair. And it's a look that I could have done myself because my hair aesthetic, especially like at that age, is very similar to Lizzie's. Like straightened hair, bangs. But I've never worn my hair like this. No. Um, She does a sort of half up, half down look, which cool. But the half up part is like a high pony on the top of her head with like pieces of her hair sort of cascading down either side of her face. Yeah. Yeah. This is a an interesting look. It is an interesting look. Keeping with hair looks, let's talk about uh, Mathlete Veruca. <laughs> this is also an interesting look. She has three braids. She has two braids on each side of her head like normal pigtail braids. But once again, she has a piece of her hair segmented into like a top pony situation with another braid cascading down her face from the top of her head. And it's slightly off center as well. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about these drama kids because I don't really understand what's going on at this drama club. Me either. It's one of my biggest questions. What do they do? They wear sunglasses inside. (laughs) apparently um all black they were all black (laughs) yeah what what is what is going on here (laughs) it's very shady oh nice (laughs) nailed it that was not what i wanted to do (laughs) 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 that's that's what i wanted to do i'm still learning the soundboard okay (laughs) i don't know what else to say how are these kids second tier popular they're so, they're so, um, I don't know. It's like a cult. Can we talk about cults again? They're wearing all black. <laughs> it's a cult. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm thoroughly confused by this. Same. There are just no words. Um, I don't know if I have anything else really. Oh, I guess we can talk about this. Why is Sarah Paxton dressed like Laura Ingalls from Little House? <laughs> No, she looks cute. What are you talking about? She's wearing like a white blouse with a plaid dress over it. No, but this this frilly thing on her sleeve is just like straight out of Little House on the Prairie. It's cute. <laughs> Leave her alone. Uh, just saying. Oh, and can we talk about casual Sam? Casual Sam. No, no tie. tie. <laughs> yeah, look at him with like a... I don't know what it's called—a raglan shirt, a baseball, yeah, shirt. Yeah, he's he's having a casual day today. Love to see it. Yeah, even Joe's a little casual. The sweatshirt with no sleeves, going full Belichick. Otherwise known as a vest. <laughs> no, it's a sweatshirt with no. There's a distinct difference between a sweatshirt with no sleeves and a vest. Okay. Bill that, Belichick wears sweatshirts with no sleeves, not a vest. Is that all for outfits? I believe that is all that I have for outfits today. Now, I almost forgot. We have another listener question. We do. Should we do that before MVPs? Sure. Cool. Oh, you were ready. You did not forget. 
I didn't forget. Cool. So the question, and we each got our own personal question. I know. This it's time. Such a personal question. Again, from Kelsey. Thanks for continuing on. <laughs> um, she asked me, as a writer, what changes would you make to your Lizzie McGuire book adaptation of the movie? And to Sam, which episode that you've seen so far would you expand on or adapt for film? Your question is first. What changes would I make to the Lizzie McGuire book adaptation? This is kind of spoilery. Yeah. Because you haven't seen the movie yet. I haven't seen the movie yet. Why, do you think we should put this question on hold and come back around to it? I think I want to expand on this question more after we watch the movie. So like a year from now. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, my answer is more Gordo. More Gordo. And And Miranda would exist. More Gordo and Miranda would exist. Is Miranda not in the movie? Miranda's not in the movie. What? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's some stuff going on with Lelaine. By the end of the series, Miranda kind of like comes and goes. It gets weird. This feels like a huge spoiler. <laughs> um, No, she's just always like, if she's not there, she's like very vaguely like visiting her family in Mexico. She skips out on a trip to Italy to visit her family in Mexico? I don't know. Okay. So that's my answer so far. Okay, I guess, well, yeah, we can revisit that question. Next uh, year. <laughs> next, <laughs> next year, yeah. Okay. What about you? All right, let me take a look back through uh, the episodes that we, so we've watched nine episodes so far. Uh, Rumors, Picture Day, When Moms Attack, Pool Party, I've Got Rhythmic, Jack of All Trades, Here Comes Aaron Carter, The Misadventures of Babysitting, and Election. If I was going to choose one to ad- uh, to expand on to make a full-length feature adaptation, I guess it would have to be Picture Day, right? Then we could meet Gammy McGuire. That would be the perfect episode for you. That was, I mean, that's been my favorite episode so far, I think, um, just in terms of, like, how, like, tied together it was. Like, a lot of these other episodes, there's so much random stuff going on that makes no sense. But Picture Day, I've always said, has been very tied together. And I feel like you could expand it. So maybe instead of, you know, Lizzie just finding the sweatshirt in her drawer, we can actually go to Gammy McGuire's house, get a nice little windsurfing lesson. And then Gammy (laughs) McGuire can personally give Lizzie the sweatshirt. I don't know. I think there's some room to expand here. Um, so I'll go with picture day. I love that answer. Why do you, do you have a different opinion on this question? It wasn't my question. I know, but, but you, you were, you must've been thinking about it as well. No, I, I love that answer. Um, I think that if there was ever an episode that I would redo, it would be the Aaron Carter episode. Not technically the question, but I think that episode could do a good, we could have a good do over. Yeah, Aaron Carter, serially underutilized. <laughs> Correct. There'd be way more Aaron Carter in the episode <laughs> called Here Comes Aaron Carter. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay. Cool. And last but not least, as always, who was your MVP this episode? I went first last time. You want to go? You want to take it? Did Did you? I did. Okay, I guess I'll take it first. So when I think about MVPs, really... Only two options come to mind for me. Um, can I give an honorable mention? Okay. 
Uh, my honorable mention for MVP goes to Larry Tudgman. Okay. Because he had a strategy. He executed it. He became class president all on his own with this strategy. And, you know, an unlikely candidate, but he really committed to his path. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. Yeah. So that's my honorable mention. And then my actual MVP goes to Miranda. In this episode, Miranda was the voice of reason. She was not okay with Lizzie going off the rails and becoming full politician. And she made that known to Lizzie. She called her out when Gordo would not and kind of just would not do Lizzie's dirty work for her. And I respect that. And then even though I think she is a little too forgiving at the end, I think that having that, again, I'm saying this a lot, but that voice of reason throughout the episode was very necessary. Without it, I would have gone a little off the rails. So yeah, Miranda is my MVP. Who is yours? Well, for the reasons that he was your honorable mention, my MVP this episode has got to be Larry Tudgman. I mean, in the episode where he wins an election to become class president, how could he not be the MVP of the episode? He comes in, he's willing to literally eat worms, as many worms as it will take to become the president of his class. He single-handedly takes down Kate and Claire. He uh, isn't, you know, you have to assume, right, that somewhere behind the scenes, Kate is trying to sabotage him again. He doesn't take that. No, he forges straight ahead with his plan, and it ultimately gets him the win. He relates to the Star Wars, Star Trek, Choose a Lane Club, and you know what? He does it. So Larry Tudgman, congratulations. You are the MVP of episode 109. Yeah, and he gets the jocks on side. He does. Yeah, he truly is the voice of the people, just uniting everybody. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 109, Election Day. As always, you can follow us along on Twitter at OutfitRepeatPod. You can either tweet questions at us or email us at OutfitRepeatersPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I'll, uh, as always, put links to the photos of the outfits that we talked about today on our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters, so that you can check those out there. And be sure to tune in next week for episode, I almost said 1010, (laughs) for episode 110, I do... I don't. It looks like we got some Ethan Craft in this episode. Yeah, where's he been these last couple episodes? <sighs> really underutilized. Yeah, so much underutilization going there on here. There he is. In the meantime, stay healthy, stay inside, keep on keeping on. I thought you were going to say, and also wash your hands. <laughs> and also wash your hands. <laughs>